you know, you'll never learn anything if you don't fail. You know, it's like, I think, you know, I can tell you a thousand times to duck your head. It's until you hit your head on that door jam that you realize like, oh, I should probably duck, you know, and you, that's, you just learn from that experience. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I bought this cool pencil and it really is a waxy, terrible pencil that doesn't erase. And I've learned from that experience and I, you know, other. You're listening to the R2's fitness audio experience. Deadlift podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for this interview. Paul Dolsky, old friend, acquaintance here in the horror platform, and Mike Myers, thank you for gracing us with your presence this evening. Thanks for having us. All right. And to give you some context on what Deadlift Podcast is all about, we're going to be delving into different aspects, different topics. Horror your latest projects that you have worked on, entrepreneur fields, anything that you could provide. Hey, why not? Let's talk about fitness while we're at it. In this 30-minute <laughs> interview, we're going to delve deep. But here is the question that i like to start the podcast with. Origin story, starting with Mr. Myers. A quick two minutes, a summary, who you are, and your latest project uh well i'll start with the latter uh my latest project is popcorn with uh paul over here and uh it was uh we sort of met each other a couple times at a few of the comic book conventions and uh we just decided to uh do a little project of a comedy horror-esque uh little comic book um and it's it's i i think it's pretty uh pretty funny with all the little uh homages to to other horror movies that are like with within this little you know 24 page comic um but uh yeah this is this is a hobby that that i do and i i've always enjoyed comics ever since i was a wee lad and uh this is just something now as i as i get older and my kids have grown up and i'm able to focus more time on and creating and just releasing this uh, energy and uh besides comic books i also paint and you know i still collect comics myself um but i also play you know board games and i've gotten into like painting little miniatures uh, and stuff and stuff like that but uh, uh did that answer your question or do you want me to go deeper because i could talk for a whole half hour so i'm trying to <laughs> trying to save the stage <laughs> Uh, believe believe you me we're gonna delve deep into uh you mentioned a couple of things i'm gonna go back to you paul okay. a little bit make, about make yourself. A little note. I'm a horror guy that everybody loves to hate and i just like do my own stuff and uh 
fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, it all depends on how you want to look at it. I have been uh, granted the ability to do four short films over the past couple years. Um, COVID hit, and that unfortunately kind of made it a little bit more difficult. And because, you know, I like to try to keep all my friends safe and stuff. And especially since we became parents at the time, Tessa and I, it was definitely a challenging year to make short films. And we made it work finally. And we put out Terror Trail. And uh, then I want to say we took like a year off and made Terror Trail 2, which I hope everybody enjoyed that one. And uh, that was probably the most expensive short film we've done to date. And as for uh, the most tedious, easy short film we have done is called Pumpkin. That was literally 20 bucks. That was to buy two pumpkins, and then we had fun with it, man. We said, me and a friend were just like, we got pumpkin guts. We have a short film. Let's do it. (laughs) Good. Ah. Uh, I, you mentioned something very important. I'm going to get back to you, Paul. Uh, Mike Myers. A cool name, by the way. I'm trying to place where, where have I heard the name before. I know it's a slasher oh, film. It just doesn't no. come to me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, there, I don't know. It's It would be a great name to use in a franchise, right? You know? <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you mentioned something earlier. You do comic books. You do mm-hmm. it as a hobby, but right. we are supposed to do the things that we enjoy, and you have right. made a business out of it. You go to conventions, you sell mm-hmm. your hobby, which is your product, your comic. Little, explain a little bit about that process. Well, uh, I try not to um, dip too much into the the household income, being that this is a hobby. I don't want to, you know, start turning this into an obsession. So, you know, to you know, keep a happy life and uh, you need a happy wife, I end up keeping, you know, separate, separate books, so to speak. But uh, to get started, I had sold like a good portion of my comic book collection to buy like that, the art table that's behind me here and uh, to buy supplies and uh, um, to to buy like a, so like a, a Wacom tablet. Uh, so once I was able to get that started, then I started going to conventions and it was sort of a a wash in the beginning, but then as I started to get more stuff and uh, more people and meeting more people like Paul and, and other, you know, just convention goers, they, they, after a while, it's like after a couple of years, they start becoming almost like family. You just, you, you meet them like, you know, to catch up with them on Thanksgiving, like, Oh, how you been? How was the winter? And uh, you start chit chatting and you show them your new product and they, they help you out. And then one after another, it all adds up. And then uh, you start, paying for your next comic book uh, to, to, to get that printed. And then you're at the convention next year. You have to pay for a table there. Um, but all that came from the uh, proceeds from selling your, your, your last year's comic. So as like a, as like a business, it's like, you know, I, I mean, if, if I wasn't able to, you know, support myself, I mean, just, just to break even, you know, I mean, yeah, I would love to have this be my full-time job. Oh, that would, that would be great. But, you know, realistically, it's like, I'm just, you know, on in my age. So I am slowly working to, to finish this and also uh, at my other job and, uh, you know, helping my kids, you know, with, with college and, uh, 
and help my wife with her job and our pets, you know, so it keeps, everything keeps me busy. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the, the idle hand is the work of the devil, so to speak. So just trying to do, do so much stuff that it's like, I have so much to do and really not enough time. But I, I look at that as like a, a good, a good thing, really. Amazing. I love the value you just provided. You outlined something that most content creators, and I mean, use the phrase content creators, meaning artists, comic book artists, actors, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. You sold your possessions in order to invest in something that mm -hmm. you love to do. And yes. even though you're breaking even, you love the process. Oh, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I'm Paul and I were talking b before your show and, uh, it, you know, I had, um, you know, so, sold some stuff so that I could I could keep going. But it's just that that constant of, you know, paying one hand, you know, moving one process forward and just like enjoying what you're doing. And I, I think that I've gotten better in making comic books because this uh, I, this is my seventh comic that I've done. So it's like from my first one that I've done, my first series that I've done, it's like, you know, the art, the stories, the, the layout, then it's my next, my next series. It's like, it looks a little bit more, you know, darker. It's, it's a little bit more laid out. And then I come and uh, do, you know, do this uh, popcorn story with Paul. And it's, I feel it's more refined. I think the storytelling just like snaps and move, moves you uh, along. So it's like, you're, you actually get a, a meaty adventure, you know, for, you know, for the cover price. Great. Thank you for that. Paul, you mentioned something earlier. You have released short films and you mentioned the world challenging, but despite the challenges and despite the low budget, you managed to pull it off. So explain that process because let's provide the value here. Some people might be sitting in their chair, have the idea and they're fucking lazy. They don't want to do it. What made you do it? Okay. Well, <clears throat> let me see how I can figure it out. So, I guess in a short-term, long-term chat about this, of how I started even thinking about this process is everyone... I started, you know, a horror podcast, everything horror podcast. I was talking with people like Ken and with others about, like, you know, what they think of this and that and talk with people who have uh, done directing or acting and film and just everything else. But when one of the most interesting things I think I've learned, too, is people's uh, free time, if I may say, because, like, when it comes to everyday life, you know, we all get busy. And I think that must have to be the most challenging thing about it about it is you got to figure out a day that works for people and you got to make it happen and i think that was definitely the hardest challenge of them all for me because i have friends that are like teachers or they have something going on or they live an hour and a half away or so so you know trying to get them um on a specific day and then pray that the weather is even good because I don't have, like, a garage that I deck out in, like, colorful uh, landscapes or whatever. I'm actually using natural lighting, like, real, real woods, everything. 
So I guess you could say that's even a challenge on its own, right? Because you want to make sure the weather is going to be on your side, that Mother Nature or Gaia, uh, depending on how you want to look at that, is even behaving on that specific week or day, as I may say. So, I mean, I, uh, I guess really that becomes a problem as well, because I know with Terra Trail 2, we were trying to shoot that for a 2021 release. But unfortunately, like I was mentioning before, COVID and stuff, it it made it so that it was so difficult to get everybody to work on a day that everybody could be there. I basically just said, you know what, screw it. We're going to delay it for another year, and I hate to do that. But, you know, when it gets frustrating, you kind of just want to just shove it into a corner and then forget about it for a little bit. So then when that next year came, that became my focus. As soon as April hit, I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. You guys need to tell me, like, what month works for everybody. And that became, again, a cluster. But we did find a loophole, finally. And um, we were able to set up a day. And it took us four hours to film Terra Trail 2. And that was it. But, you know, uh, I guess really it just all depends on everybody's schedule. And then, I mean, like I said, the challenge of the weather and stuff. I mean, Ken, I think I talked to you this before. Like, originally, the game plan was just to film, like, my first ever uh, short film on a phone. But because we hit stretch goals on Kickstarter, we were able to buy a like a 4K camcorder, and we were able to reshoot the entire film. Uh, the only, so the funny kicker to this note is the only scene that is not actually reshot from my phone is the flashbacks. That was actually all phone. Um, so, I mean, take it as you please, but, wanna, but here's the funny thing. So, Pumpkin was all camcorder, but we were originally thinking about using the phone just to go prove a point that you can use your phone just to make a horror film. And the message right there is it doesn't matter the tools at your disposal is how you use the tools. Great value there. So uh, <laughs> I'll touch on that real quick, Ken. So that's exactly what we did with the last short film that we did, uh, Pumpkin. So a friend of mine reached out to me and he's like, you know what? I want to do something. I want to, I want to, we got these pumpkins, right? It's almost close to Halloween. We should make like a Halloween tale. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about it. So we figured it out what we're going to do. We're like, okay, so what's the monster? Like, what are we going to do? And then we're just like, well, we got pumpkin that we haven't carved yet. Oh, pumpkin guts. There you go. Good and idea. <laughs> so I guess the message really too is for twenty dollars you can get yourself pumpkin butt guts and you're all set, man. That's your monster, basically, and that's what we uh, went Mike, with. Thank you for that, uh, Mike. Yes, you sir. Mentioned that you have you have had an evolution in your creative work in your creative workflow. That's uh, we could argue that your comic books your your product now it's much more improved creative wise and everything else since the first release so with that said 
what are tools or what are self-disciplines that you have in place to structure your story much better, your writing, your outlines, your panels? A little bit about that. Hmm. Um, I guess b before I, I, you know, I sort of, I, I saw what I wanted, but I didn't know how to draw what I wanted, you know, uh, or it's like, I wanted to tell the story, but then I realized like in my mind, it was, it was broken up, but I, I needed to actually put panels to connect everything together. And I, I didn't know how to do that. So it's like, there was a lot of editing and moving around of, you know, I really want to have this frame finish the page. How do I get to the end of that page with that frame? And in the beginning, I, I didn't know I was, I was doing, you know, the Jack Kirby four squares on a page to just, you know, tell, tell my story where now it's like, I'm able to, you know, put in, you know, little spots here and there and, um, you know, make like a six or seven panel page, uh, to actually, you know, give the reader a little bit more eye candy, you know, as, as they're reading, because there is that balance of trying to tell the story and not getting bogged down with words, but also giving, you know, their dollars worth of, of, um, visual entertainment uh, so they can follow through there and you don't want to lose them with it being too muddy down with too much art and then have them be confused. Like, Oh wait, what's their name again? And it's like, it's four pages back. It's like you sort of need to give them that information and have it carried along, which in the beginning, it's like, I was sort of just like, Hey, these are my characters. And then, but now it's like, I sort of had to, grow my characters through the story and that's a process that i've you know was familiar with but didn't know how to accomplish and now um after doing like like i said seven seven comics it's like it's sort of it's clicking i mean i'm no nowhere near like you know rembrandt with this but it's like i do feel like i'm better and uh it's it's only you know up from here so Hopefully my next project will be in the uh, Smithsonian and uh, I'll, I'll be for your, I'll schedule the interview now. <laughs> well, it's, it's just like business. Uh, when you first start a business, there's always going to be mistakes. Uh, for example, look at Elon Musk when he took over Twitter and he changed it into X. Everyone is just going crazy, batshit crazy about that and other changes that he made. If we cannot experiment, along the way to improve ourselves then might as well right. just sit back and somebody else could take the reins and when we reach 80 years old we could have that regret why didn't i do that right and you know another another saying nothing venture nothing gain so to speak it's like you'll you know you'll never learn anything if you don't fail you know it's like i, I think you know i can tell you a thousand times to duck your head it's until you hit your head on that door jam that you realize like oh I should probably duck, you know, and you, that's, you just learn from that experience. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I bought this cool pencil and it really is a waxy, terrible pencil that doesn't erase. And I've learned from that experience and I, you know, other, other stuff that I've got like paper purchasing paper, like, Oh, this is a huge savings. And then you get it and it's like, Oh, this really doesn't hold watercolor at all. It's, you know, um, but yeah, then also like you're, you're drawing something and scanning it and digitizing it into Photoshop. And you're just like, oh, there's so much line art. I need to erase that page some more. I need to, you know, go back and do the whole process again. So 
This is just stuff that you pick up along the way and you learn with the experience. Absolutely. Paul, we, it's the same field we're going to delve in with you. And oh boy. it's the learning curve. You've written films, you've written short films, you've written collaboration here in a comic book. With the writing, what have you learned from your experience from the first film, your first comic, until now? What were the differences between then and now? That I still need more practice with comic book writing. <laughs> um, honestly, though, really, in all reality, so. So my first comic with David Whalen was The Stockhop Killer. Uh, so basically, David kind of thought I knew how to write a comic, and I didn't. So like, I could almost... Uh, so the running joke for David and I was, if Stockhop Killer was not a comic, it would definitely be a goddamn book. Because of the way I like wrote wrote it all out, right? So... Uh, I guess, I guess in the way of me writing, I'm writing it in a way of how I vision it for my short film. Um, unless you're the short film pumpkin, we kind of just threw it together in our head, me and my friend, and we didn't write anything down. So what you see in pumpkin is literally just us talking for 10 minutes, driving to the location, and as soon as we got to the location, we're just like, all right, we got the film. <laughs> you know? Oh, um, I guess, I guess now, um, when Mike first reached out to me finally, like after everything calmed down a bit with the world and his personal life, he's like, all right, I'm ready to do this. And I'm like, okay, I have a monster, but I don't know if you'd be interested in how we could make this work. I'm not really sure. So anyway, I've taught, um, the whole popcorn monster idea, which I want to put it on the record here again. Uh, <laughs> that So that was definitely a copyright thing that I said back on your old show, DK Mag. I forgot what episode it was, but we were talking about something, and I'm like, you know what? We need a popcorn killing monster or something like that. And I said, oh, that's my copyright. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> we were talking about monsters or something we haven't seen before and I'm just like, why not just a big freaking popcorn monster, you know? And then I remembered that and of course I had to share that with Mike and he kind of loved the idea and uh, really I think all it was to Mike was just, I just said popcorn monster and I think uh, within like 20 minutes later he sent back like this rough idea of how he wants the story. So and I'm just like, dude, like, you know, I couldn't have even thought of it better than myself, you know. So um, one thing I will add to it. So Mike and I are big into old, old films, whether it be, you know, war related movies, horror or whatever. Uh, we did throw in some Easter eggs. So I guess now the question is who can pick up on them and who can't, you know. Yeah. When, when Paul and I first talked about this idea, it's like the first thing that snapped in my head was the 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 blob and i was just like so i i took that kernel <laughs> eh, you like that and and went from there and and just did this whole story and, and sent it to him and brought it into like our current modern day and uh then after he was okay with the initial plot then we sort of like 
you know, uh, polish it up a little bit and put together this a nice 24 page um, extravaganza, you know, little roller coaster. Nice, I just want to also nice. add one more note too, is that before before we even got done with even starting this project, Mike was already telling me too, he's like, I already have a sequel in mind for this. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, can we just finish this one first and then we can talk about it? So it was great though. So because he liked, I like that Mike enjoyed the the monster idea of this so much that he's already thinking of a sequel. Right? Damn, that was quick, you know. So, I mean, if you don't hey. have fun with your work, then what is the point, right? I uh, I was gonna go into how did you guys come about the story and everything else. Hey, we we already solidified that topic, but now let's get let's delve in. I know the release is uh, sometime soon, but let's give some the, the audience something to anticipate. What is the comic book about? What are we expecting here? Uh, well, the 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 title is the uh, the popcorn or the, the the killer popcorn monster. Okay, and then I I sort of added uh the, so i put like from beyond in the beginning so that we could have a sequel or do a a separate story in that same genre like uh strange tales or tales to astonish you know so we would have like from beyond and it would have like other horror themed you know short stories um ho- hopefully keep it in the same like uh tongue in cheek theme that that this that this issue is where we sort of, you know, I, I think I kept my, my art style a uh, little cartoony, but you know, the, this is like a giant popcorn monster. So I had to keep it somewhat, you know, uh, cartoony. Um, but I, I think, I think that all like melded, melded together. <laughs> um, yeah. What else can we say, Paul? You know, do you, do you have anything to add to it? It's, I mean, we, 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 <laughs> yeah i mean we we didn't want to do when too many popcorn jokes soon soon we're just it's at it's at the printer now we're just waiting for it to you know get printed and then uh snail mail to us two more questions let's see we're, we're winding down for the interview uh mike uh comic books you opted for going traditional comic books something that people could hold in their hand or put it just like how i have and you have right behind you have you ever considered digital comics is that a frontier soon to be explored or do we have a market for that since everything is getting digital these days as for example, Marvel and DC, their sales is going down. Is that something you want to venture soon? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I I have looked into it. Um, uh, pa- before your podcast, Paul and I were discussing um, uh, printing on demand, and also being able to get it on uh, Kindle Books. So uh, hopefully, if all that like pans out with uh, you know uploading the the data, we'll we'll definitely have this issue well not definitely i mean hopefully we'll have this as a uh, a e-comic uh I, I think that's the term um as for uh, comicsology my other stories i have i i've talked to a couple other uh 
creators at the local conventions who have put their comics on Comicsology and have sold it that way. And I, I have looked into it, but I do, since we talked earlier in the show, how I have grown as a creator, it's like, I do want to go back and sort of edit and make these updated so that, you know, people who have already purchased this comic, they can purchase this new one and have, you know, new stuff, new, new art or, you know, some other stuff added to it. That's like, Oh, that Easter egg wasn't in the original story, but you know, now, now here it is. Um, and it, I, I would probably do it for, you know, like less because I sort of, like I talked about before, I've already paid for it doing conventions and other shows. So it's like, I, I've already recouped what I've invested into it and also have made a little bit to, you know, pay it, pay it forward for the next one. So it's like the, the, the digital universe would be just a wash for me, just all, all learning, you know, pretty much like this, my, this whole process has been for the last uh, nine years. So, yeah. Hope, yeah. Like to answer your question. Yeah. We, I do hope to have them all digitized, you know, you know, before I run out of time. Yeah. Question right. for you. What is next on your frontier? You have done short films. You have done a couple of uh, collaborations on comic books. What's next on the agenda? Um, I need to get back to finishing up a like children's book in the way of like R.L. Stein Goosebumps. I'm trying to do something like that. And uh, I guess the weird thing that I'm trying to do with this, though, is I'm trying to base it on real events that happened in my life. So, like, um, like I'll, I'll give one example. So there was a there was one night when I was very young. I don't even know what age I was, but it was so dark in my room, and I had my bedroom room closed that I could not feel or even find my doorknob so it was freaking me out so bad that i could not find the door knob to even open the door to run to my parents it was so freaky though because i felt like i was i don't know like i was like almost in like a prison per se because i just could not because you know when you're when you're little and you you're in your room you know your room you know your surroundings and you know where that doorknob should be. And the fact that you cannot find it is just probably the scariest thing for a little kid, right? And then the weird part about this is after yelling and shouting and, I don't know, banging on the wall, per se, for maybe 20 minutes or so, it felt like eternity in a kid's mind. But um, my mother opened up the door, and the weird thing was, it was like, what do we like two inches away from where I was. So the fact that the door was literally right there and I could not find it. And I mean, I was feeling everywhere. Like, you know, I'm going like this, freaking out, <laughs> trying to find it. And it's just uh, one of those things where uh, it's just, you know, I'm trying to put stuff like that into the story to kind of make it feel more natural, natural and scary. Interesting. That would make a good children's book. Final question. Started with Mike. Same question is going to apply to you, Paul. Okay. We are in an age right now that at our fingertips, creatives have AI. Do you believe, in your, what's your opinion? Is AI aid or 
does it hinder the creative process? Mike. I, I think it's a good tool. I really, I really do. And I mean, yeah, companies can use it in, in lieu of actually hiring a human being, which, yeah, I, I, I understand where they're coming from, from a business sense, but it's also, I don't know, maybe, uh, artists and creators need to make themselves more valuable, you know, um, so, so that AI isn't, isn't stealing, isn't stealing our work. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because I think it's a really, really good tool. You know, I think it's really good for like, uh, just getting like ideas out there. You know, I mean, there's, you could type in anything and, and have some weird abstract fantasy world. And then you start like sketching it and feeling it and walking through it and, and doing some stuff. And then you get like other ideas from that, that I don't think the computer could, could generate i don't i don't think the i don't think a computer could you know give it that organic mass and tell like a story by with that image they're just going to take it from you know from whatever other properties that you put in there you know game of thrones versus mario type mashup thing and it's just i don't know there's that personal human experience that the artist or writer has that they also put into the story like like paul mentioned with uh, his children's book that it's like you you get just little little tidbits of that character that it's actually a human being put in there where you're not going to get that personalization with a with a computer with a machine <laughs> oh god uh so ai ai um so i've been listening to another podcast who have been uh talking on the ai subject for a while and they he talk with people that are sort of like doctors and this and that so i'm kind of leaning towards it can help and then it's gonna screw other people over when it comes to you know audiobooks or just writing or whatever right it can it can definitely take them out of a job however though when you look more into ai ai's work can't really be copyrighted so technically, it becomes a public domain. So you can technically steal the AI's work. Uh, but, I mean, as for the good side, I would say when it comes to the medical field, so for somebody like me who's part deaf, who also have a uh, thyroid problem, I mean, I am fascinated to see what an AI could tell me when it comes to my hearing or even my thyroid. Could Maybe the AI could actually I don't know, cure my thyroid problem? I mean, I don't know. Uh, rather than having to take the stupid pill for the rest of my life, since I've had to take it since I've been two years old, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a battle of life or death for me because without this pill right now, like, you know, um, uh, not taking it for a while would be the demise of me, but with AI, um, you know, it, it, it's a whole different new world when it comes to, like, if you were to use AI in a medical field, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, AI is in its infancy, and in my opinion, I think it would help creatives so much 
as Mike, you have ele uh, elaborately outlined, it can help with getting the idea out and just flushing it out and putting the human element into it. Thank you, Paul and Mike, for your time. I look forward to the release of this comic book that you have. Great concept. The audience is going to love it. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Which have which we not have a Terminator outcome? <laughs> oh, with the AI? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's I a mean, good final kind of thought. Sort of there. No Skynet. <laughs> no Skynet. Thank you so much, Paul and Mike. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the Thank value you. you've provided for the audience. Anytime. Thank you very much.